Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. There's a couple of German reporters who are here uh, reporting on things like uh, the crypto scene and the the Free State Project. Uh, There's also a documentary crew that's here from Free State Doc, Free State Documentary at uh, freestatedoc.com. They've been doing fundraising to put together a full feature-length documentary film about the Free State Project, which... Would be awesome. I hope that it comes to fruition. I'm definitely uh, a supporter of what they're trying to do. And, and they seem to be like friendly people. One of the producers, uh, the director, I guess, if you will, she is somebody who put a, I guess, a uh, documentary together for the Mises Caucus, the oh. Libertarian Party uh, Mises Caucus. So she seems to be a friendly as far as her, her viewpoints are concerned. Uh, but you know, whether or not it turns out that way, I'm, I'm happy to see more coverage. Like the more people that are covering what's going on here in New Hampshire, whether they be foreign media, local documentary people, local media, national media, the fact is New Hampshire gets the New Hampshire's libertarian movement, the free state project, the people that are moving here and not everybody joins the free state project, but it's one of the more sort of noteworthy organizations uh, whatever we're talking about, the libertarians in New Hampshire, we get way more press coverage than any libertarian group anywhere. I would say even more so than the National Libertarian Party gets. Well, like, I would say that, um, sorry, I was just going to say, I don't think it would be negative because the trailer isn't negative. No, the trailer is incredibly positive. And so if you go to freestatedoc.com, you can watch that. Correct. And you can contribute to the, the documentary being filmed and continuing and finishing it and all that. Uh, but if you look at the publicity that the National Libertarian Party gets, they really don't get that much. I mean, during the presidential campaign, sure, the presidential candidate will get an interview here and there, and we'll get some coverage from various different sources just by virtue of the fact that they are in the presidential race and they're the libertarian candidate. And they get a lot less attention than the Republican and Democrats, though. Of course, barely any by comparison. Yeah. I just published my book. I don't think I told you guys yet. Taxation is theft. It's not breaking news to you guys because you're smart, but taxation is theft. And yes. that's the title of the book, but it's got tons of stuff about the history of taxation, the tricks they use to tax us more, obviously the secret tax, which you guys know what it is, inflation and printing, um, but also how we can abolish taxation using various programs and means that we're already using. We just got to do it more and we can abolish taxation. So that book I just published, it's on sale. It's like 99 cents on Kindle, and I think it's free if you have Prime. Wow. But it's not. $8 for the paperback, so it's pretty much no profit for me, but it's on sale until probably for the weekend, so until Monday, so everyone should pick it up and read it, and let me know what you think, and leave a review. Um, so is this do, is this something you would want to buy, like a family member, to kind of introduce them to some of these ideas? Like a primer? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's good, obviously, for libertarians and monetarians, but it is good for centrists and moderates and apolitical people, because it does mm-hmm. explain one of the chapters that tax the morality and explains why extortion is not moral at all. It explains it from a lot of angles. Um, and the philosophy of it, the morality, the ethics, and all that stuff. Um, so it kind of covers everything. So it covers pretty much everything. So I do think for, for a newbie, for a muggle, it would be pretty good as well. Yeah, taxation is theft is definitely more alliterative than taxation is extortion, but it is probably more accurate to say that it is actually extortion rather than theft because it's a threat that they're going to hurt you if you don't do a thing, not like just a quiet stealing of something. Yeah, I agree. Although one of the chapters is civil asset forfeiture, which is literally like armed robbery. Yeah. Sure. In some cases. And also when they take things out of your 
your bank account. I mean, that's just theft. I mean, I mean, well, sorry, so not your bank account, but your when they take stuff out of your paycheck and you have no recourse, all that's you can true. do is keep working the job or not have a job. It's and theft. Then, and then inflation, the increasing of the money supply is also a form of theft because then they're stealing the value. So you don't yep. see your bank account doesn't go down in the amount of dollars, but it goes down in its purchasing power. Yep. And that's what they're doing exactly. to us right now. And I'm actually looking for someone to help with the audiobook. I know Bonnie's already doing presumed guilty, but if anybody here wants to do the audiobook, I'm, I'm happy to give a uh, high royalty for the audiobook if anybody wants Actually, to help. Actually, I, I think you should contact Captain Kickass. He might do that. Ooh, yeah, He's got his idea. own audio studio in his house. Probably be That's faster than idea. me because there's not, um, you know, construction on his house. He's a busy guy, though. I don't know. I can't. We can't guarantee what he's going to say, but yeah, it wouldn't hurt and hurt to ask him. So in other news, I am debating again against democracy because I do think that is the worst form of government, period, hmm. not really? except for all the others. Like Churchill said, I, I think democracy is pretty much the worst form. So I'm debating next Wednesday on the 26th. At Where? Hotel, oh, at 7 cool. p.m., I guess. I guess. Against at 7 you. 7 p.m., I believe. Yeah, but, who's your uh, opponent? Libertarian, a free stater who moved from New York recently, very, very smart guy um, named Max Scalar. Oh, yeah. Podcast. Yeah, we yeah, met him at the at the Liberty Forum. He's uh, he does like a tech podcast. According to the story here, soldiers are leaving at a faster rate than enlisting, fueling concerns that in the coming years, units around the country may not meet military requirements for overseas and other deployments. Which is great news because there's the the whole defend the guard thing that we talked about recently here on Free Talk Live, which is a movement of activists trying to stop. The National Guard from being or the State Guard, I presume they're the same thing. We'll, we'll presume that for the purpose of this story, uh, that uh, trying to stop them from being deployed in war in Unless these conflicts. Congress officially declares war, which they haven't since World War II, I think. That's correct. Or World War One. World War Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it says here, for individual states which rely on their Guard members for a wide range of mis- missions, it means some are falling short of their troop totals this year, while others may fare better. But the losses come as many are facing an active hurricane season, fires in the West, and continued demand for units overseas, including combat tours in Syria and training missions in Europe for nations worried about threats from Russia. According to officials, the number of soldiers retiring or leaving the Guard each month in the past year has exceeded those coming in for an annual loss of about 7,500 service members. The problem is a combination of recruiting shortfalls and an increase in the number of soldiers who are opting not to reenlist when their tour is up. And this is good news because it means that people who otherwise would have joined this organization are just doing other more productive things with their lives. They've got enough going on in their life, and they're saying to themselves, you know what, I don't need the extra hassle. I don't need whatever the paycheck uh, would be. I don't need to spend my time on this. It's just not worth being bossed around and ordered around, being told what to do. Or on the black pill side, it could just be that people are getting good enough welfare for doing no work that they don't want to do the work-flavored welfare of the military anymore. Could be. The losses reflect a broader personnel predicament across the U.S. military. Okay, so here's the answer to your question, Bonnie. As all of the armed services struggled this year to meet recruiting goals, Mm -hmm. as they underscore the need for sweeping reforms in how the military recruits and retains citizen soldiers and airmen who must juggle their regular full-time jobs with their military duties. Now, of course, that has to do with the the Guard, but it's saying here all uh, armed services are, are struggling. And that's... 
not necessarily a new thing. I remember back, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, probably closer to 15 years ago, there were stories in the news about how the army, for instance, was lowering its standards. So they were making it so people with like tattoos and body piercings or whatever could come into the military where they weren't allowed to before or something like that. I mean, it might not yeah. have been tattoos, but that that's one example. Or they would they would make it so that if you'd been a marijuana smoker in the past and you admitted to that, like you previously wouldn't have been allowed in, but now they might let you in. So they kind of lowered their standards, uh, maybe let people in who are a little chubbier or something like that into the military because it was getting harder for them to find people who are willing to go and, in that case, die in Iraq and Afghanistan. So this uh, it sounds like they're still having the recruiting difficulties, and maybe it's, um, well, I'm hoping it's even worse now than it's ever been. And apparently it's not just the National Guard. According to the story at the Associated Press, it's every branch of the military is having similar recruiting difficulties. I mean, you'd think it would be a challenge with all the wars, the nonstop wars. Yeah, I would hope it is a challenge. Um, And then, of course, now there's Ukraine. Uh, You know, who knows what's going to happen with that? Right. That could get worse at the drop of a hat. Could be the next, you know, next week that American troops are forced to go into that battlefield, which is terrifying. You know, to go up against Russia in a potentially nuclear level conflict. So who wants to join? I mean, why would you want to join the military to fight for politicians who are historically lying to you, historically have not just lied to people, but lied people, uh, lied to people to get into war specifically using, you know, weapons of mass destruction in the case of uh, Iraq, for instance, which, of course, turned out to be completely false. You go back to the Gulf of Tonkin in the yeah. Vietnam War, for instance. There have been other false flags. It seems like every war that gets started, you know, starts with a false flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, whether it's you know Ukraine or you know uh, what was it? Uh, we were just in Iraq. Uh, that was another one. Um, who knows about who knows about the um, Afghanistan? Well, don't um, they say that the first casualty in war is the truth? Yeah. I mean, so I mean, you see what's happening in Ukraine. We don't know what's happening in Ukraine because all we can do is take whatever the reports are at face value, compare the various different reports, and try to extrapolate some sort of idea of semblance of what might be happening there. We have no clue. I don't think you would even know if you were in Ukraine what is happening because you cannot, you can't trust the Ukrainian <laughs> military and the Ukrainian uh, media. You can't trust the Western media, and you probably can't trust the Russian media either. Yeah, I, and you can't. The one thing you definitely can't trust are the, either of the governments. Exactly. Um, you know, the, the Ukrainians are going to lie to you to get, keep you in the country, or not even lie to you, just use violence against you if you try to leave, especially if you're a man. You may recall that at the very beginning of the Ukraine-Russian conflict, that Elon Musk made some headlines by sending Starlink hardware. Oh yeah, into Ukraine. And the people that were in favor of Ukraine, which, of course, is you know a lot of people on the left, a lot of big government people seem to really love the, the whole Ukraine side, even though they're not pro-democracy. They took away the uh, ability for the opposition party to even get on the ballot That's in right. Ukraine. They're banning the Russian language in certain circumstances in Ukraine. They are they're pro- prohibiting people who are, I think, men... Over or under the age of 60 from leaving Ukraine. So I mean, these are people who are not concerned with freedom. They're concerned with power, and so are the Russians, mind you. But Ukraine isn't any better, in my mind. But Musk got a lot of uh, po- po- positive press, right, for sending this free hardware over there. Free Starlinks for anybody that needs them in <laughs> Ukraine. 
Well, now there's a development with these star, free Starlinks because there is no such thing as a free lunch. Mm. Right? According to the Washington Post, Elon Musk said today that his space company could not continue funding the Starlink satellite service that has kept Ukraine and its military online during the war, sparking an uproar as he suggested he was pulling free internet after a Ukrainian ambassador insulted him on Twitter. Oh, that wasn't a good that was not a good move. <laughs> A Starlink cutoff would cripple the Ukrainian military's main mode of communication and potentially hamstring its defenses by giving a major advantage to Russia, which has sought to jam signals and phone service in the eastern and southern combat zones. So Musk said, he who can giveth can taketh away. (laughs) And what obligation does he have to continue providing free service to the Ukrainian military? Yeah, there's uh, when you get free stuff, there's a cost to it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's keeping your mouth shut. Yeah, you don't bite the hand that feeds you, <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, I presume the reason why he was insulted, and I presume they're going to get into it in the story, but it, as you may know, Elon Musk made a proposal maybe a week ago that he said, hey, look, we can have peace in this conflict. Here's what he thinks needs to happen in order for peace to to be reached. And he laid out four points. I don't have them in front of me right now. But one of those points was that the areas of Ukraine that had recently voted in what was called a sham election, he said they should be allowed to vote again. All right, fine. It was a sham election, right? Let's let's throw that election out. But bring in the United Nations. They have like a division to oversee elections to make sure that they're quote unquote on the up and up or whatever. Bring in the United Nations. Make sure that the we're going to have another election or we'll have another uh, referendum is what they call it. So we'll have another referendum, another vote in these areas, and they will decide whether or not they want to join Russia. And it'll all be done under whatever the U.N. standards are. That way no one can say it's a sham election. That was one of the points that Elon Musk made, and that just set these people, these Ukraine so supporters, off. Why would that set off their Ukraine supporters? So because they I, don't. It want- seems kind of odd because that would, in theory, work in their favor, would it not? According to uh, RT.com's version of the story, Elon Musk claimed he was following the instruction to F off, which outgoing ambassador to Germany, wow. Andre Melnik, issued to him by refusing to provide free Starlink satellite services to Kiev. The CEO of SpaceX confirmed the connection on Friday. He responded to a correspondent from the Kiev Post who shared news about the company's demand the Pentagon foot Ukraine's growing bill and how Melnik insulted Musk just recently. Musk tweeted, quote, we're just following his recommendation, <laughs> and added a man-shrugging emoji. Melnik lashed out at Musk on Twitter last week after the U.S. billionaire floated a Ukraine-Russia peace plan that involved Ukraine ceding some territory and adopting a neutral status. Many Ukrainian officials rejected the proposal with anger. Melnik said his message to Musk was a, quote, very diplomatic reply, where he told him to F off. Days later, Ukrainian troops reportedly started having issues with access to the Starlink system, with the Financial Times describing, quote, panicked calls from soldiers to helplines, unquote. Musk claimed his company had provided free service to Ukraine to the tune of $80 million. Mm. And he's saying, well, you tell me to F off? All right, well, pay for your own internet service. 
On Thursday, CNN published a letter which it said SpaceX had sent to the Pentagon in September demanding that it, no- that it cover the cost of operating the system in Ukraine. The company is no longer, quote, in a position to further donate terminals to Ukraine or fund the existing terminals for an indefinite period of time. So Musk is saying, hey, you've had it for a year, guys. You've had it for a year and a half, roughly, uh, at this point. Sir. Oh, no, sorry, not year and a half. Half a year. It was, I thought for a moment this thing's been going on longer than it has. So it was this year that the conflict started. So you've had it since March, roughly, and it's now uh, October, and that's enough. Yeah. So he's done. Uh, and I think, you know, it's not like they can't afford it. I mean, there was just $11 billion that I believe the uh, U.S. federal government took of taxpayer money and shuffled $11 billion more over to Ukraine after $9 billion, after 40 something billion. Who knows how many dozens of billions we're up to at this point. But, you know, they could shave off $100 million of that and put it towards Internet access. Yeah, you know, it definitely sounds like it's it's not going to be the uh, thing that, that makes or breaks Ukraine's uh, win or loss. Um, but it's certainly they're acting like it will. Yeah, but it's certainly, you know, it's certainly how do I say this? Certainly doesn't seem like it was a wise move to go to targeting. insult the man. That yeah, runs your or, internet yeah, provider. Insert, yeah, definitely not. It's just how dare he come up with a peace plan? How I dare mean, really? he try to stop a con an international conflict? They don't want this to end. You know, war definitely is one way that a lot of people, you know, they skim off the top. Absolutely. It's, it is. It is. A, it is an interesting question of. How much are, you know, how much is, what, what is he gaining from this financially, potentially? He meaning the president of uh, Ukraine? All of them. <laughs> you know, any, any of these people who are. Well, in Musk's case, he spent 80 billion or $80 million of his own money, basically, as a company's own money to keep these yeah. terminals alive. So he's, he it's, hasn't gained anything from it's, this. Yeah, that, that may be. Um, but He got some publicity out of it in the in the initial sure. days, but now the same people that were cheering him on early on are mad at him for daring to propose peace. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just thinking like all that money, right? I mean, all that money that's being spent, it's going into somebody's pocket. The billions? Yeah, I mean, yeah. billions. Oh, yeah. Um, and, Weapons manufacturers. You know, sure, sure. Cronies, buddies of the president, family members, nepotism, oh, yeah. all oh, of yeah. that. Oh yeah. This is this is one uh this is one way that a lot of a lot of people make uh you know make some they make some good money. And um it's and it's not even something that only happens during wartime. That's just like a bonus. Um mm-hmm. so Supporters of Ukraine credit Musk's satellite-based internet system with providing communications for the Ukrainian government. The man himself claimed that Russia had tried and failed to disable Starlight, uh, Starlink terminals in Ukraine on multiple occasions, which Moscow denies. Melnik, the top Ukrainian diplomat at the center of the controversy, has a long record of insulting various public figures, including the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz. During his tenure in Berlin, he called the German leader an offended liberalist. After Schultz took issue with Kiev's refusal to host a proposed visit by uh, the president of what looks like Germany. Friday marks the last day of Melnik's posting at the embassy in Berlin. Ukrainian President Zelensky relieved him of his position in July, but it took months for his replacement to be appointed. The diplomat was recalled after an interview in which he denied ethnic cleansing of Poles and Jews by Ukrainian nationalists during World War II. So I guess he's been fired but he's still in the position and hasn't left yet or something and he insulted elon musk and and here we are now so it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out uh with elon musk 
being a player. You know, this guy's got influence. He's he's the world's richest man for a reason. He's a shrewd businessman. And he knows the level of influence that he can throw his weight around with. And he's doing it with an international conflict right now. I mean, you've got to... You've really got to, like, appreciate the huevos that this guy has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, like, this is an issue I wouldn't want to touch too much, uh, just in general, from a from a, a business perspective or a financial perspective. It just seems like you're, you know, you're just not going to, you're not going to win it. You're not going to gain anything. You're just going to, you're going to ask to be harmed as a, as a result of involving yourself in these sorts of politics. You had some other international related news, and I saw this headline recently about Portugal. Apparently, it's, it's in the uh, like the crypto news headlines. Oh, for sure. That Portugal used to be a place where crypto people were thinking about moving to because it had been friendly as far as its laws, its tax laws were concerned to cryptocurrency. Not anymore, apparently. Seems what's, like they're doing a, a flip here. Yeah, what's um, going on over there? So this is a story from Kitco, and the title is Portugal Explores 28% Capital Gain Tax on Cryptocurrencies. So, yeah, it's, uh, it sounds pretty crazy. After becoming one of the most crypto-friendly nations in Europe with no crypto tax on individuals, Portugal is now looking into the idea of a 28% capital gain tax for digital currencies. I, I mean, it's like they want to run people out of the country, right? Like, like... The country's finance minister, Fernando Medina, I think, uh, submitted a new budget draft proposal that calls for a 28% levy on capital gains from cryptocurrency assets held for less than a year. However, there is a big exemption. The tax would not apply to any gains on cryptocurrencies kept for longer than a year. Huh. Uh, it's almost like they're trying to force people into turning Holding it into it. an investment as opposed to using it as a currency. Strange. Yeah. Any capital gains from issuing new cryptocurrencies and mining operations will also be taxable under the new provision. Another addition is a 10% tax on cryptocurrency transfers and 4% levy what? on brokers' commissions that uh, the draft budget stated. So um, this is a proposed budget. I mean, they're trying to kill it is what they're trying to do, it sounds like. They're trying to kill cryptocurrency? Yeah. A 10% tax on transfers? I'm going to read it again. Another addition is a 10% tax on cryptocurrency transfers. I don't know if that means like if I make a payment for like a soda that I have to pay a 10% 10%. tax on that. What else could it possibly mean? I don't know. I mean, this is Europe. Yeah. I mean, the Europeans are crazy. At least the government is. Yeah. (laughs) Um. You know, wow. And politicians in general are crazy. So, uh, yeah, who knows? So far, Portugal has. Well, only... hold on. You you said that you think yeah. this is them trying to run people out of the country. I, I don't know. I mean, I, that's I, obviously going to be how the most wealthy crypto people respond, right? Because sure. why would you want to keep a tremendous amount of wealth under these sorts of circumstances? The average person, they're probably not going to, you know, sell their house and their business just to leave the country. So they're probably, You're probably banking. Right. They're probably banking on the majority of people are not going to make any changes, and that therefore they will get more tax revenue, even if they lose the richest one percent of crypto people. You're probably right, except that these countries in Europe are doing everything in their power to run people out of their country not sure. just through cryptocurrency this is not that un- that's not really that abnormal 
just to clarify, are you saying that different countries in the EU can have different percentage VATs? Correct. Could they have a 1% VAT? No. <laughs> so there's a certain minimum that they have. There's to have. a minimum. I think it's okay. like 15%. I see. It, it, it's not, I don't know if any. And I don't know if any country actually has a 15% VAT, wow. but there's a minimum and then there's like a maximum. They tend it, towards it, 20. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's usually around 20, um, but there are Jeez. some countries with 25% in Europe. Um, so, but, you know, but your point is they're giving people a lot of reasons to leave the European Union. Oh, and yeah. the number one reason is going to be this winter. It's going to be effing cold there. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because of the energy situation that has developed, given that they're no longer getting Russian uh, natural gas from Russia, which is in many of those countries. I think Italy is 40% of their energy is coming from Russia, and that's gone now. So they're going to be in a real tough spot, let alone now taxing people's cryptocurrency. So uh, a little bit here, a little bit there, it's all (laughs) adding up to a really big government situation. But then again, there's a lot of people in Europe that just love big government. They're willing to freeze their asses off uh, in order to have it. uh, People, I I really don't think the Europeans understand how much they're undermining their own prosperity Mm -hmm. Um, you know, by being in favor of these left, you know, leftist uh, policies uh, and and regulations and things, um, you know, it's, it's, um, they don't see the long term. They they don't, they don't understand. They don't understand. Uh, They 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 have no concept of economics. They come to the, and it's funny because they come to the United States and they're like, oh my God, the vehicles are so big. And, Mm -hmm. you know, your washer and dryers are so big here. (laughs) And it's like, and you know, the houses are so big here. And it's like, yeah. Do you ever wonder why, you know, people mm-hmm. are better off here than where you where you come from in Europe? It's not. And, and this is this. Are, these are people coming from like well to do countries like the UK and the Netherlands yeah. and, and or, or at least that are put forward as well to do countries. Right. Mm-hmm. In Germany. Right. Um, it's not we're not even talking about like poorer countries within Europe. Right. Like Spain and I think Italy. And, OK. Like because, and some of the Eastern European countries. Those are those are really poor. Right. Mm. But we're talking about like solid you know solid economics uh, or economies relatively speaking yeah. within europe a lot of wealth a lot and, of people. and these people are still they're coming to the united states you know and they're just they're amazed at like just mm-hmm. how i mean i don't think they understand it from that perspective that they're not as well off but they're like oh this doesn't even exist in europe like it's that bad it's because the, they, the people in europe don't have the money to purchase nicer things mm-hmm. or you know they might they might they're take, taxed to death yeah they're taxed to death let's say you were on a an exchange and you have your Bitcoin balance that, you, you know, you bought Bitcoin earlier in the year, mm. let's say it was 10,000 euro, and then it's now 20,000 euro and you want to sell it, but you've never taken it off the exchange. So, therefore, there's no transfer in that particular case because you're just ordering the exchange I mean, to sell it. Wouldn't that be you transferring it between your account and the exchange? No, though? the exchange is the account. You're, that's Your account on the exchange is still their account. It's just it's I know that's in your how name. you see it, but I don't think that's how the government's going to see it. They may not. <laughs> they may not. But if you think about it, the transfer tax yeah. is another disincentive to spend the crypto. Oh yeah, and it's also a disincentive to remove it from the exchange. I mean, imagine if they if they charged you ten percent to spend your own money. Oh wait a minute, they already charged twenty five percent, twenty to twenty five percent to spend your own money. But imagine if they added another ten percent to that. What right? do you mean they charge twenty twenty to twenty five? Well, there's, to spend. there's the VAT. Right. Oh, so every, I see every you time mean. you buy something, you're paying, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know, a tax already as it is. So um, and this is this presumably is on top of that. So if I go to pay somebody with crypto, then I'm paying the VAT plus at least 10 percent, maybe 38 percent, depending on how they're they're going to implement it. This is really disturbing if they're going to. It sounds like if this goes through, of course, they're going to lean on the exchanges to be the ones that implement these taxes. Right. Because you can't. Oh, yeah. You can't. uh 
identify necessarily one user sending it's, Bitcoin to another user because that's sort of sure. pseudonymous in that when you create a Bitcoin wallet, you are not necessarily attaching an identity right. to that wallet. So if you download Edge Wallet right now and you create a Bitcoin wallet, you've just created something that no one else yeah. knows exists. It, it, it's kind of interesting because they have no way to actually enforce this in practice, I think. Except for the exchanges. Except for when businesses use a exchange or an individual uses an exchange right. um, or a payment processor of some kind to accept cryptocurrency on their behalf. Right. Or if a business is accepting crypto and the word gets out that they're accepting it and they can identify, they send in an undercover officer to right. identify what their address right. Are then they could watch them, so, and they could unless if they're, unless you're using Monero or some other privacy coin, uh, which maybe the solution here is is moving to uh, to privacy coins for people in Europe. I don't think people under have understood what's happened with like for example BitPay. Um, when you go to a merchant that accepts BitPay and it prompts you to ID yourself to do KYC, which I don't know if you're aware of this, BitPay but, is doing that. Uh, yes, um, but it's back up a moment. Let's let's explain. Let's go into a little bit of the details so you understand. Okay. BitPay, all. for listeners that don't know, is a merchant payment processor for cryptocurrency. So yeah. uh, brick-and-mortar merchant. You can use them for online as well. So they have like an online side and a, and a real-life brick-and-mortar side. You can put it on a tablet. You can put their app on the tablet, and it will make it easier, in theory, uh, to accept payments from crypto. Yeah. So um, I, I, I kind of knew this had already happened because I had encountered it before. And I also was, you know, I read all of the news when it happened. Um, but um, basically the other day, this, this is why I was thinking of it, actually, the other day or a week ago, something like this, um, I went to a, a website and I'm like, oh, they take Bitcoin, great. And or cryptocurrency, whatever. Right. I saw BitPay. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, and it was some sort of digital thing. Right. Um, I didn't even have to have it shipped. I don't think. I think it was something digital. And I went to pay, and I'm like, okay, I don't really want to. I don't really want to provide my ID. I mean, it wasn't anything. It didn't really matter um, uh, that much. But I, I didn't. I didn't really want to give them my info, my personal information. Sure. And so I went to check out, and I, you know, I clicked the BitPay option. I went to check out, and I realized, oh, it, I, I had the recollection of. I can't do this. And and the reason I kind of had forgotten about it is because I, I pay merchants that use BitPay all the time and I don't have any problems with just checking out, you know, anonymously. Like I don't, I'm not forced to put in any information. Okay. Well, in Europe, they're now required to do KYC. Really? In order, at least the, the, the exchanges and the payment processors mm-hmm. are required to do KYC. So know your I, customer. Right. So if I want to uh, check out, <laughs> I have to do kyc with bitpay and have an account there before i can check out at this merchant that a european merchant right the european merchant but i don't want to provide them that information i ended up just buying the same thing basically from in the united states where i didn't have to do that did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for 
for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. You also touched on something, and I know there'd been some news about the European Union recently. We hadn't covered the story, but I did see the headlines where they're putting in these regulations. They're going to try to control uh anonymous cryptos they're going specifically after wallet providers they're trying uh exchanges you said just uh in the last segment that bitpay is now requiring people in the european union to pass through know your customer requirements to to simply make a payment to clarify that it's if the merchant is in the european union so 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 everyone they have to deal with then whether they're in the u.s or whether they're in africa or in the eu all their customers are required to know your customer which is why i was saying before the break uh that i decided not to do business Mm -hmm. with a company in europe um and you know i was already disincentivized from doing business with the company in europe because their costs are so much higher it Mm. would have cost me three times what it would be in the united states to buy the same thing and ultimately at the end of the day the thing that that put me off was not the price it was in fact uh it was the kyc that they i would be required to do with bitpay in order to pay this european merchant Mm. i ended up just going to the united states and paying like eight dollars for something that was you know three times that in europe wow um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's they're going to lose out. They're going to lose out on a lot of business. Europe, Europe is undermining its merchants. It's mm-hmm. it's undermining you know its its population. And um, right. well, if you thought it was expensive now, wait until you've got to pay the prices for these products when the companies have a power bill that's five times as much. Oh yeah, that's going to get passed on to the the product cost too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and and this is that's the thing. It's like these are things they were doing yesterday, yeah. right? Yeah. That's not what they're going to have to do next to, year tomorrow yeah. because this, this winter. Yeah. It, well, you know, it, it's not even. I don't even think it's going to hit for the winter. I think it's going to be next year because ultimately they have the. Um, they have the uh, what is it the the oil and and all that uh, or natural gas. It's as I not understand looking it. good. I, there was a story that came out of it was RT that was reporting mm-hmm. on it, but they were reporting on the German uh, results of their initial. They had a cold snap there apparently in Germany, mm. so it got unseasonably cold sooner than it yeah. would have normally. And they said that Germans in their private homes, yeah, they didn't turn down the, they uh, didn't turn yeah, the heat the down heat, at yeah. all. Yeah, the, I heard that the too. The heat consumption, the power consumption, was up fifteen percent above the last five-year average. Ooh, that's so not good. this is happening at the same time as the government is saying you need to cut back by ten so to fifteen percent. It may not last as long as uh, we think. It, so yeah. right now, as I understood it, there were something like Germany uh, specifically. I think it was that like. Eighty-seven percent, or something like that, of their um, the reserves, the reserves, mm-hmm. which should have put them through the basically put them through the winter. Have uh, either of you ever come across somebody in your lives that is so libertarian? They're probably more libertarian than you, and don't even know it. I mean, there's probably somebody like that here in New Hampshire, but we're pretty libertarian on on this show, so it's I, I, hard to say. Yeah, that. I, was well, gonna, I think you're talking to the wrong people asking that, or the, asking that question to the wrong people. <laughs> oh no! Well, no, I, I, I asked that uh, because, uh, all right. So uh, I have a brother 
that literally is so anti-political and so trying to work against the system. He didn't even know that he was a libertarian until I'm like, oh, sounds like you're a libertarian, dude. And he's like, hmm. no, no, no. I, I don't want to put labels on myself. I, okay. <laughs> sounds like Bob. <laughs> There's a lot of libertarians so, who yeah. don't want to put labels on themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like he flat out. Uh, anyway, so. They're anti-labelist uh, libertarians if it, you're going to label them. My, my partner's right? that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, essentially, uh, he just, uh, he, and anyway, so, uh, for long story short, uh, okay. I'm a, fr- uh, it, he and I live together and, okay. um, let's just say in the last two years, our rent has gone up for, uh, $400. And what was it before? Wow. Uh, let's just say, uh, yeah. Uh, Where are you living? Uh, Kalamazoo. Michigan. Okay, but what was the rent, and now it's plus four hundred. Uh, so eleven hundred to fifteen hundred. Well, wow. Yeah, so that's like a thirty-six percent increase years. or something like that, right? That's yeah, that's a lot. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, mm-hmm. we've been talking about buying property, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> I'm I'm already uh, I had some setbacks, but I'm already committed to to go to New Hampshire, dude. I'm nice. I'm going nice, and uh. So at either rate, uh, he's a programmer that works from home. Mm-hmm. Like he could work anywhere. Yeah. And he actually uh, uh, came to me the other night and asked me the question. He said, "All right, so what was that realtor's name there uh, in New Hampshire?" Probably Mark Warden, the Porcupine uh, Real Estate uh, Agent. Yeah. Yeah, he's the best. So at, at either rate, um, so me, uh, I'm pretty sure that I could. Figure out work in the agris market. I'm 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 somebody that uh, I'm a contractor, so mm-hmm. essentially, so uh, I'm a remodeler. I'm I'm pretty sure that I can find work. There's been a huge run on people buying homes here in New Hampshire, and this last year has definitely been the seller's market up until the last few months where we've seen the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, and that's translated into higher home mortgage rates, and that's translated into fewer buyers in the home market because now people are giving it a second thought. They were There was like a craze for a while mm. there where everybody was jumping in. There were bidding wars. It was going insane. And now that rates are, I think, over 6% last I heard for home loans, and they're likely going to continue to go up. Uh, it's it's been a turnoff for some of the buyers. Some people were, you know, know, realtors have said that they've had buyers who were on the hook, who were ready to buy, Mm. and then when they saw the new rates on the mortgages, (laughs) they got cold feet and said, nope, I'm out. So that's resulted in homes staying on the market longer. Uh, Prices are probably going to, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but prices could come down if things really start to cool off. Uh, in this marketplace, I suspect they are. Yeah. Um, the I I I think people are having difficulty now, actually, in this area, selling their home uh, homes. So, mm, um, really, I, yeah, it's what I'm hearing. Mm. Um, but maybe it's maybe it's the prop. Maybe it could just be the properties too. So, um, but um, but and people asking too much. Remember, because you know, if if you're asking a hundred thousand dollars more than what a house is worth, you know, because of you're not going to get it. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. get it, and you're not going to sell. So. And but, I will I will say houses that I was thinking would be worth like three hundred two three hundred max mm-hmm. you know have been selling for four or five hundred thousand people have been asking so yeah 
keep an eye on things. Uh, you know, Zillow's a good site. There's some other ones up here. NNREN is another one that I looked at uh, many years ago. So if you look around, you'll find some, keep an eye on the market to give you an idea of what's going on uh, out here. Of course, it might be a good idea to rent before you buy, just to kind of get a feel for the neighborhoods and the places that you might want to live. Try, try some different towns out uh, for size. But definitely come on up and check out New Hampshire. If you're a libertarian, if you're a voluntarist, if you're a liberty-loving anarchist, why would you want to be in a place where you're just not – you have no chance of success? Whereas here, as we were talking about at the very beginning of the show, you, were, you weren't here for this part, but I was talking about the incredible level of media coverage that we receive here in New Hampshire. It's, we have multiple media, like outside media in Keene right now <laughs> reporting on what's going on here, international level stuff. Uh, is going on and we had we had two just tonight at our yeah. little crypto event and um yeah we had uh two different groups uh two yeah two different groups one had two people another had one although he's with others but he, they weren't they weren't there yeah and this happens not uh, it's not uncommon to have media up here reporting we've had the new york times we've had the boston globe in recent months reporting on the free state project uh there was another story today that i was just reading i, I forget what story that was but it was like vox.com reporting on new hampshire and the libertarians got a mention and we're a real force up here and no other libertarian movement can even come close to the level of attention that the libertarians in new hampshire are able to gather and the influence that we have over the political system here somebody pointed out i think it might have been the free state project uh twitter account that in other states, the Democrats fight the Republicans, mm. but in New Hampshire, the Democrats fight the Free Staters. For listeners that aren't familiar, in 2002, roughly, the people that wanted to have the Free State Project participants choose New Hampshire came up with a document called 101 Reasons to Move to New Hampshire, if you're a libertarian. They came up with a PDF. It was really well-researched, really persuasive. It's one of the reasons why I chose New Hampshire. I was one of the 5,000 early members who voted uh, for New Hampshire above all of the other states. There was a ranking, so there were 10 potential states at that time. New Hampshire blew the rest of them out of the water. Like the other advocates for Idaho or you know Vermont or the other yeah. nine choices, they tried, but they didn't even come close <laughs> To the, the persuasive factor that this 101 Reasons thing did. And so then about 12 years later, uh, Bo Davis and Vince Perfetto, a couple of early movers for the Free State Project, they got together and they put together a documentary film taking the 101 Reasons and turning it into like this rapid fire, one hour long documentary. I mean, if you think about it, 60 minutes in an hour, yeah, you fit 101 Reasons in 60 minutes, you're... You're at about 30 seconds, not quite, 30 seconds per uh, per reason. So it, it goes fast. Um, it's a really interesting documentary. But that thing is coming up on a decade old now. So it's it's getting a little crusty. I there's, mean, yeah, there's there's a, you know, the one I love was uh, Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. Sure, I know. It, absolutely. I know you know, um, but but not, maybe the listeners don't know, <laughs> They right? probably don't, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Which that, just celebrated its 10 years, it, it by the did. way. It did. And uh, I was going to say, that's also getting old, but I still think, you know, to that this day. That one's timeless. Derek J's it, Victimless Crime Spree is timeless. Absolutely. Is it's probably the I think that was what sold me on the Free yeah. State Project, and it, I mean it wasn't the Free State Project. It wasn't a documentary specifically about the Free State Project, but it, but it was very heavily involved. It was right? a documentary that only um, exists because of the Free State right, Project, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and it was also the first documentary by Free State Project participants. Bo Davis also edited that film. He was the guy that did 101 Reasons. So anyway, the, the long story was that 
it's been a decade almost. It was 2014 that 101 Reasons came out. So in two years, it'll been 10 years since that came out. And I think that they're trying to do it again. They want to do an updated version of the 101 Reasons physical document, so the PDF, and they want to do – because there's new things, right? Yeah. Like New, new Hampshire still has – Probably most of those 101 reasons, I'd have to review them, and it's been a while since I've I've gone through it. But So we still probably have the, the bulk of those reasons, but now there's things like marijuana decriminalization, mm. uh, there's uh, concealed carry without a license. Those things didn't exist in 2002 when that document first came out, and they didn't even exist in 2014 when the movie came out. So there's some, some new things that need to be added, some of the political success stories that we've seen happening here in New Hampshire. So he's working on that list they're going to do the text version first, and then they're going to work on turning that into a new version of the movie. So I'm guessing it's probably going to be coming out close to when 2024 would be my guess. I'm crossing my fingers on one the, the, this uh, the new the new version. I wasn't as, I wasn't as big of a fan of the the old version. It wasn't mm-hmm. that it was bad. I just it just um, I I have a, I have a feeling it's going to be done and it's going to be even better this time around. I hope so. I, I have a feeling. So this election, they're going to be looking for people that are camped out in front of the drop-off boxes. Uh, So this is one of the things that they're going to watch along with uh, voter intimidation. So what's going on is that they're they're, uh, intimidating people from um, dropping off their mail ballots. Hold on a second. Are they mailed or are they dropped off? Okay, these are the 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 new we we've we just got these the drop off boxes. Mm-hmm. So uh, when it's getting too late and it would take seven days in the mail, like my yeah. mail ballot, they would just drop it off at these boxes. Okay. And so there's are people that are camped out overnight and to run people off from dropping them off. So uh, so are you sure about on. this, or are you just speculating that that could be happening? Okay, so this has been going on in other states, obviously, and that's okay. why they're precautionary. So, but I have never heard of this happening in New Mexico because so, uh, these drop-off boxes are quite new. They, mm-hmm. We've only started it maybe like. Well, didn't five, you call and tell us before that the drop-off box is located at the city clerk's office, and that's the only one that there is? Well, for for if you want to drop it off early, and there's a camera in front. Mm-hmm. But is, so, so that's only there's that. just to clarify mm-hmm. there's only that one box for right now. Okay, for do- right now. But, okay, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like that you have the problem then, Sarah. So why are you calling about this if it's not actually happening? Okay, they're gonna have they well they're speculating that this is going to be a future problem. But it's not also if it's if a- you're at the city clerk's office. If that's where the box is, that people have to drop off their ballots there, there's not going to be some glowering guy carrying a club trying to, you know, scare you away from that box because it's right there on government property. There's all kinds of government uh, goons around to make sure that there's no one there besides government thugs to uh, intimidate people or not. Well, I'm talking about on, on election day. They're going to open up more boxes. They're, they're going to have oh. more of these drop-off boxes. As uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to have ten more out middle of um, different okay. places. And but you know what? The, well, the what you're talking about would state- be like threatening, right? Like that's the, I don't know if the term would be criminal threatening. But if you're trying right, to right. intimidate somebody, that's that's already a crime. So like, what's 
Are you saying that they're going to be a, like hiring police officers or having police officers standing at these boxes to make sure that there's no one around uh, to quote unquote well, intimidate I mean, they're you? Gonna, they're going to be doing some patrol. And then we even have a hotline, voter intimidation hotline now. So if people are trying to vote and they're being intimidated, okay. here's what you do, voting. Sarah. I understand that you just got uh, you and your roommate just got your first internet device, right? You've got a smartphone now. You know what? I'm not. I'm not concerned about my ballot. I've already mailed out my ballot okay. yesterday. I'm right. just bringing this up. Okay, but I'm going to bring up the election. solution for you. Okay, I'm, even though you're not concerned about it, you're bringing up something that I don't think most people should be concerned about. But that said, if you are worried about somebody trying to intimidate you, whether it's somebody... By the way, the most intimidation I ever have comes from government employees at <laughs> voting locations who are trying to intimidate me into doing things like not recording video or, you know, you can't wear a T-shirt or whatever their stupid you know rules happen to be at these voting precincts. But if you are encountering someone who is trying to tell you that you can't drop that off here or that you better not or whatever it is they're saying, all you got to do is walk up with a video camera rolling. I just bought, I paid five bucks, four ninety five, for a whole episode of Steve McQueen, Wanted, Dead or Alive. It was an old Western, black and white. Hmm. And uh, it, this woman, in one episode that I just got done watching, her husband busted out of prison to regain the $50,000 he'd gained in a bank robbery. And... Uh, Steve McQueen was the bounty hunter, and he was on him, and the old lady knew it. So she shook Steve McQueen, killed her old man, claimed the $1,000 reward. And then Steve McQueen cornered her in her bar just at the end of the episode. She says, why would you do that? He says, well, there are so many men in New Mexico, and there's so little money. I want That's to what she said? About That's that. what she said? The woman? That's what she said. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So New Mexico sucked back then, is what you're saying. It, it, there's places where people aren't supposed to live. <laughs> <laughs> like the Ute Indians. They were the only um, cannibalistic tribe mm -hmm. in the whole continental United States. And they were driven into the worst place because everybody hated them. Wow. Because of who they were. The Ute they, they, Indians? They figured out ways to kill you for two days while you watched them eating you. What, what was the name of this tribe? Ute? The Utes, as in Utah. Oh. Oh. I never heard. I never heard of them before. I, you know, I don't live out there. Yeah, way, they, so. they they were a horrific people. They they would tie you against a trunk or a post of a tree, right? Mm -hmm. And then splay you bow legged. And build a small fire right between your legs. Ew. Oh, man. And as you slowly roasted, they would cut pieces of you off. Uh, oh, my God. Major. You, you would not bleed out. It would take two days. You would watch them eat you. And are you saying they moved into New Mexico? No, no, no. I'm just saying okay, the they whole stayed in Utah. back in the day was horrific, dude. Yeah. It was horrific. So New Mexico hasn't gotten much better, is what it's is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, mo mo evidently. But anyway, the mega hats. Yeah. You know these people are just haters, and everybody. Hell, I, they, they invented crackheads 
or they invented heroin so the crackheads would have somebody to look down on. <laughs> Everybody wants to pee upon somebody else's head, think themselves above it all. And uh, it's it's ridiculous. Thank and you. with the internet and everybody in their magic rectangle, good God, put your nose in a book, learn something. Instead of banking as much of their pay as they used to, they're saving less, spending more, and pursuing passion projects or risky careers. Uh, Namarta Narang, who's 27, says she was prudent about almost everything until the end of last year when she had an epiphany. She says, I don't want to spend my life being so careful and cautious. For most of the coronavirus pandemic, she couldn't travel to see her family in Bangkok. When she finally made the visit, she was struck by how much she'd missed her mother's 50th birthday, her grandmother's funeral, her sister's engagement, her father's beard going gray. She says, coming back to the U.S., I realized I needed to do things differently, she said. So one of the things she'd always wanted to do was live in New York. She packed up everything in her L.A. apartment and made the move back in March. She also took a new approach to her finances. Before COVID, she said, she was putting about two grand into her savings account every month. Now it's half that amount. The rest goes towards a costlier apartment, which we were talking about, I think, off the air about New York. Sounds like an early midlife crisis. Yeah. Uh, I think they call it a quarter-life crisis now. <laughs> Uh, evenings out with friends and small indulgences she would have denied herself before. She said, I wanted to use my savings to have a life experience. Visiting home made me see how much life I had missed. And so the point of this story is to talk about young people having this epiphany, if you will, and deciding to save less and spend more and you know live more in the moment. Uh, what do you think about that, Chris? Is that Seems a good like plan? A really bad idea. I mean, um, it's it's one thing if you have the money to spend, you know, uh, once you account for things like I don't know savings or, uh, you know, you know, just your the sense the necessities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you when you haven't even you know uh, got a little bit of money for a rainy day fund, I mean, yeah. what do you what are you expecting? Are you expecting everybody else to take care of you when things go bad? Um, that sounds Maybe like, they are. I mean, that sounds like socialism. That sounds like a terrible plan. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like you're going to end up, um, you know, in, in harm's way when social security collapses and, you know, all sorts of, you know, other stuff happens, like the economy goes south and I have know, to wonder how much of this, this attitude against savings has to do with the money itself becoming worth less over time because, in a place like Venezuela or uh, Zimbabwe or some you know, Weimar Republic Germany back in the day where you're dealing with crazy levels of inflation. We're not there yet in yeah. the U.S., but when you are dealing with crazy levels of inflation, it's insane to save, right? At that point, you spend it you as know, quickly as you can and turn it into something that's not going to lose value instantaneously. I, I think the problem is that that's not what people are – that's not what they're saying. Right? That's not they're, what they're – they're not saying, conscious of that. I no, they're not saying they're investing it. They're saying that they're basically – They're blowing it. They're blowing it. Right. And and that's – I think it's the blowing part that's a bad idea and not necessarily um, – you know, obviously, yes, you should always be – it doesn't matter whether or not – you know, um, how do I say this? Uh, you know, you, you have a high interest rate or not. I think you're still going to make more, especially when you're younger, if you invest it. The, the, mm-hmm. It probably hurts more, you know, um, you know, as you get older and you want to move your uh, assets from risky investments to, you know, uh, you know, other other types of less risky <laughs> investments or even dollars. Right. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. 
We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.